Now we're talking this year about uh, the year of triumph, and today we're going to just beat the devil's ears back with the truth that we can triumph over fear. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Romans 8 tells us, Knowing all these things were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And we know that to triumph is to gain the mastery and victory over something after a serious conflict, battle, or test. You can't triumph unless you're triumphing over something. And as we have triumphed as a people, as a nation, as a church, we'll triumph over this thing as well. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, no fear, here. no fear here. I believe that God has put on the body of Christ a special anointing for this year to triumph. And I believe He's going to put you on display for the rest of the world to see how God does what He does. To not only encourage you, but to draw them into a place. For it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Yeah. The goodness of God. 2 Timothy 1.7, we know this one, don't we church? Yes. Say with me, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it with me, ready? One, two, three. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you believe that today? Yes. Let me just share a few scriptures with you as we get started here from uh, Isaiah chapter 41, first of all, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. How many know that He was your God before news broke of this? Yes. And how many believe He's still your God today? Yes. Well, if He's on the job, then you can be confident. Amen. Go over to the book of Psalms and look at some of these choice scriptures real quick. Say it one more time. No fear here. Scripture is filled with admonitions concerning this. In Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That shadow is an important word because often that implies that it's not even something real that's coming after you. We know this is real, but in reality it's the fear that is far more dangerous. Uh, Psalm 27, if you would, real quickly. Psalm 27, verse 10. Well, actually, I want you to go on to Psalm 46 real quickly. Say it one more time. No fear here. No fear here. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and form at the mountainside, the mountains quake with their surging, we're not going to be people of fear, are we? Go on over to Psalm 91. We'll revisit that later on. Look at this just to get yourself on the same page today. In fact, there are at least 365 variations in Scripture that says, Do not fear. You'd be hard-pressed to find a reference that high with any other concept in the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 91, verse 5, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys 
at midday. Now turn to somebody and tell them you're not supposed to fear the coronavirus. What are people actually afraid of? What people are actually afraid of is not a virus. They're not afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing. They're not afraid of heights. They're afraid of falling. They're not afraid of snakes. They're afraid of being bitten. They're not afraid of water. They're afraid of drowning. I was a nationally ranked swimmer for years, and a water safety instructor taught many people how to swim. The only person I could not ever teach to swim was my dad. (laughs) You know those little flippers you put on people? We even tried putting flippers on him. And we said, now kick, kick, kick. And the harder he kicked, the faster he went down. (laughs) Now Denise fits in this church. I taught her how to swim. In two weeks, she learned three strokes. I want you to contrast that with flipper boy. And three strokes in two weeks in a public pool while other people were splashing. Hallelujah. He has a lot of other gifts, though, doesn't he? Yes, amen. But Mark Spitz, he'll never be? No. (laughs) You're not afraid of water. You're afraid of what? Drowning. And that's what happens with anything like this. It's the master fear. The scripture talks about death is being destroyed, but it also talks about you being in a captivity before Christ, Hebrews 2.15. In other words, if you can ever get dominion over the master fear, then you'll be a person of faith and peace and confidence as you live out your life. Scripture tells us in 1 John 14 that perfect love does what? Casts out all fear, which means if you're afraid today, if there's fear operating in your life in any of these areas, including this virus, it means you're not made perfected in love. There's something not mature about your love walk. And it could just be because of things you've gone through, things you've experienced, or it could be, you know, you're holding on to some bitterness or some wrath, some unforgiveness, whatever it is. You know, there comes a time and you have to make up your mind, I would rather have the peace of God than hold on to those things that's blocking my love and letting fear come back into my life. This past week, you know, the little peepoo that we've talked about for years uh, passed away and uh, I was uh, standing over a hole that I had dug for her. It was a very difficult time and season because, you know, we really do love that little dog. And um, understand this, that pastors are human too. Oh, I know you doubt that, but really they are. Yes, they are. And, and some folks can handle that. Some folks can't handle the humanity. And so, you know, they're looking for somebody perfect to deal with. You're not going to find that, amen. My mom says I'm near perfect, but not quite. <laughs> Kelly says I'm an angel. So You keep saying that, amen. You keep saying that. And uh, I'm standing over that hole, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I can think of a few people I'd rather put in that hole. Just being honest. (laughs) Just being honest today and transparent with you. And then I thought to myself, their butt's so big it won't fit. (laughs) And then I came to myself, you know, stay focused, stay focused, you know. (laughs) But you have to ask yourself a question. Is coming out of love worth stepping into fear? You cannot be a you know, victorious person over fear when you're not walking in mature love. Keep that in mind as you deal with these things. Fear is a rapidly spreading spirit. There is no such thing as a man-made vaccine for it. The only immunity for fear is faith. When you let fear drive the boat of your life, you don't get to complain about the destination. 
What I encourage you to do is throw fear overboard today and let faith take the wheel. What you need to know about this, and I think that services like this are important, and certainly we would evaluate and deal with everything as as truth comes out and wisdom comes out and decisions made in peace. But you need to understand how to deal with something like this as a Christian. You need solid teaching on how to overcome anything the enemy is throwing at you. Because you're not going to get it from the media. 24-7 of gloom, doom, despair, and agony on us. But the Word will tell you how to deal with this or anything else that may come against you and strike against you and your family. Listen to this carefully, though. This is a fear-induced and media-amplified pandemic. It's unquestioned that way. The fear virus is outpacing the actual virus. And you can't handle or deal with everybody and what they say about it, but you can certainly have something to say about how you handle this situation. What happens when you get into fear? Number one, you react to situations horribly. Number two, you, in, you inhibit rational thought. You know what a panic is? A panic is sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety. And listen to this, often causing wildly unthinking behavior. Is that not what we see right now? You make stupid decisions, number three. Number four, and problematic, you, you infect other people with that fear virus. Iron sharpeneth iron. Good company, amen, is a, is a wonderful thing, but bad company does what? Corrupts. We need to be people that are, you know, infecting them with life and with love and with peace and with joy. But if you yield to this, you infect other people with that fear, and that's what's happening. We should be more concerned about infecting others with this virus than being infected by the one that we're dealing with. Number five, you cut yourself off from the power. To plug into fear is to unplug from faith. Right now, you and I can't afford to be without our faith. Number six, our emotions dominate our life. We go back to an emotion-ruled life. He has spent, you know, two you know, millennia trying to teach the church to be spirit-ruled and word-ruled. And all of a sudden, just like that, the whole church, it seems, goes back into being emotionally ruled. If you do that, you set yourself up for a lot of difficulties. Number seven, you become incredibly self-centered and selfish. If you don't believe that, look and see somebody filling up three baskets worth of toilet paper. Now, no, when you got to go, you got to go. But some of these people must be planning to lock themselves in the john for the next 10 years. And besides that, Somebody should tell them that the coronavirus is a respiratory virus. It is not an intestinal virus. Do you see what fear does to the intellect? Oh, I might have to go, I might have to go, I might have to go. Might get the virus. Somebody pushing around a cart with three, four things, the toilet paper, that person is showing they've got faith for the virus. 
Going through the aisles, you can't find any wipes, can't find any, you know, hand sanitizer. One man, you know, has 17,000 bottles now that he can't sell because he was selling them on Amazon for as much as $70 a pop. When people are afraid and scared and going through things, finally Amazon and eBay shut him down. Is that not selfish and self-centered behavior? You look through the aisles and people are just you know, stacking up with this. I saw another picture today that showed a line at customer service and all the baskets were filled with, with toilet paper and wipes and everything. And it said this, you know, when the rents finally do, they come back and take all this back. <laughs> Lord, help us. Get into fear, become really stupid in the things you need to be smart in. Unbelievable. <laughs> Number eight, you enter into group think. Monkey see, monkey do. I'll talk about more of that in a minute. And number nine, and most difficultly here, you attract the thing that you fear. Job 3.25, he said, that which I feared has come upon me. So there is nothing profitable about fear in your life. And so today, let's make sure not only you learn how to protect yourself spiritually from what's going on, take the first step by driving fear out of your life. Put your foot down and say, that's it. Amen? And if you bought 10,000 rolls of toilet paper, we're going to have deliverance prayer right after the service, right up here for you. And I'm not going to lay hands on you. You're just going to have to get it like the centurion servant got it. Praise the Lord. You know, our Lord has a, has a solution for everything. No problem. Although I never see the Lord when the leper came back to thank him after being healed. He wanted to praise and thank him. He threw himself down at the feet and I didn't see Jesus kick him off. Be careful, church. You don't kick people off in your fear. Because they said you should do this and they said you should do that. You are people of faith, people of the word. You can hear from God and do what's right. Sometimes people of faith rush in where the world will never go. Mother Teresa will love on those with leprosy. John G. Lake will help bury those with the plague. And you know what happened when they studied it out? The plague was dying on his hands as he was in that environment of death. Never got the plague. I tell you, we serve a supernatural God. We've got to make sure that our faith is intact, but it can't be if it's poisoned by fear. I tell you, God is in a move in this nation like never before. It doesn't look like that in the natural, but he is moving in our midst. A week ago, Wednesday night, a gentleman died in this service. I had just proclaimed, amen, that this is the miracle capital of the world. I was in mid-sentence talking about the vision God has given us, and the man died. But he got up again. Amen. Now, we need to be able to tap into, if you can do that, then you can protect me from fear and a virus and everything else. You've got to have confidence that you're on this earth for a reason. You've got to have confidence you're on this earth with a purpose and you need to fulfill your days and fulfill your calling. Your calling is just as important as anybody else and don't let the devil tell you otherwise. And to do that, you're going to have to learn, especially in these last days, how to deal with this. 
Because we need to be attracting the things of God. Not the things that destroy. Amen. Well, how do you triumph over fear? This is going to be so deep, you're going to need a shovel to get out. <laughs> Number one, stop listening to fear. <laughs> no, really, stop it. Stop filling your ears with every newspaper article, every blog, every broadcast. Well, another two people have caught the virus over here. Well, another five people over here. Well, blah, blah, blah. Do you know that the H1N1, 68 million Americans had it? And our nation never acted like this. Are you here today? It's very important that you stop feeding on that fear. Scripture says in Proverbs 4.20, Open your ears to what I say, my son. Attend to my words. Incline or bend your ear unto my sayings. We know that faith comes by hearing, but so does fear. Just turn it off. What if I miss another revelation? Miss some understanding? Miss a piece of information? You're not missing anything. Except for being programmed to be afraid. You know when Kroger, Walmart, and Dollar General stores are all empty at the same time. There might be some fear in the land. Turn to somebody and tell them, stop listening to fear. Well, if I'm not listening to fear, what should I be listening to? How about pick up that Bible, amen, more than you ever have. If your workplace is, you know, has you on a temporary leave or whatever the case may be, dive into that word like never before. Amen. Get online and find some things that will feed your faith so you can be strong in this environment. Hallelujah. Number two, stop thinking fear. The word tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord. It means to suddenly, immediately fling them off of our mind and onto Him who is able to handle them. Philippians 4 puts it this way, 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything. About what? Anything. You think the coronavirus fits in that category. Anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Hallelujah. Instead of sitting down and worrying and wondering and thinking the way the world does, rise up and begin to think like a child of God should think. I will not die, but I will proclaim the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, say it with me. It's not my dying time. It's my living time. But nobody can control your thoughts but you. No matter what you're taught, no matter how you're, you're given insight on this, you have to make up your mind. Okay, my mind's going in the wrong place. Now knock it off. Oh, I touched myself. Excuse me. Bad hand. When you go down that path, make yourself stop. Nobody can do that but you. Number three, stop talking fear. 
Stop talking fear. Well, that's all they're talking about on the air, exactly. If you keep listening to it, that's what you'll be doing. Your conversations will be filled with this. Look at, uh, with me over in Mark chapter 5. I'll show you an illustration of this. Mark chapter 5. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? Let me ask you again, aren't you glad you're a child of God? Yes, and he loves you dearly. In uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came uh, there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And Jesus went with him. As he's doing so, of course, the woman with the issue of blood uh, reaches out. The power goes into her body and heals her. You pick up the rest of this story. About uh, verse, uh, let's pick it up around verse 15. Actually, uh, 32, I'm sorry. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. How do you understand that when you make a demand, it still works to this day, where faith can heal you? While Jesus was still speaking, some came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? That's how we're programmed as natural people. He did not let anyone follow him. Ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. There are lots of things right now you need to ignore that people are saying. Make up your mind to do that. Don't be afraid, what? Just believe. Get rid of the fear and amplify the faith. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with the people, crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. One translation is they laughed at him to scorn. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. The same God that we serve performed this miracle. The same God. Now, what is it you need to receive from this? Well, we're hearing an awful lot about social distancing. What Jesus demonstrates here is spiritual distancing. He distanced himself from the unbelief. He put out the laughers. He put out the mockers. And then went in, once he was separated from that unbelief, he went in there and dealt with this situation. What you need to focus on mostly, there's some value to distancing, but you need to separate yourself from that which is poisoning your faith with fear. Turn to somebody and say, spiritual distancing. Jesus put it out, and you should too. That voice that keeps talking to you and nagging at you. Number four, stop acting on the fear. 
There's an amazing scripture in the book of Numbers that talks about Moses sending the spies into the land, 12 of them representing the tribes. And they all came back and they all had a similar report. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Look, here's some of the grapes and the size of the cluster. I've seen pictures of those grapes. It's quite amazing, really, what they must have brought back. And the scripture is very plain here that instead of looking at the good fruit and the opportunity, they focused on the giants in the land and the armaments and the difficulty. In other words, instead of being emboldened by faith, ten were emboldened by fear. The scripture says, spread an evil report in the camp. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, that's exactly what's going on right now in this nation. Spreading of an evil report. And I'm telling you that the Joshua's and Caleb's in the media are rare if they exist at all. So someone else is going to have to take up that mantle. Raise your hand and say, I volunteer. And they had this idea that because we look like grasshoppers to them and we felt like grasshoppers compared to them, we can't possibly take them. But the Bible says that Joshua and Caleb were different. Caleb, the Bible says, would not be subjected to all of this, you know, removal of all of this unbelief over the years. He would one day possess his inheritance because the Bible said he had a different spirit. Let me help you out with this. He had a spirit of faith instead of a spirit of fear. He had a spirit of our God can instead of our God won't. They were saying, we go in there, we are dead. You could see how quickly acting on that fear can cost you everything. Yeah. Not one of those men, not one of them saw the promise. Said. Not one of them got to see what God was going to do. So in your life and heart, you got to make sure you stop listening to fear, stop thinking fear, stop talking fear, and stop acting on your fear. Listen to me. The enemy defeated the army of Israel, their choicest officers and foot soldiers, without a single shot or battle. They defeated them and delayed their, their promise without even firing a shot. Let me say it again. They defeated the people of God without even a battle or a shot fired. Let me say it again. They defeated them without a battle or a shot fired. How? Fear. They didn't have to fire. They didn't have to fight. Because fear led them to a place of disobedience towards the things of God. Say this with me. Fear will do nothing for me ever in my life. Say it again. I don't have a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We do this with our children, teaching them how to walk in fear. Now, Johnny, don't you play in the street. A car is going to run you over and kill you. How about just simply saying, Johnny, don't play in the street. We've been leveraging fear, our lives, most of it, either on the receiving end or on the giving end. You don't need fear to give people wisdom. Now, I'm just going to declare to you, this nation, our people, the church of Jesus Christ in America, we are not going to be defeated by fear without a shot or a battle fire. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to fight. Amen. Yeah. 
And you're going to stand in Jesus' name. What are you dealing with right now? You're dealing with a thing called groupthink across the nation. It's a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony and conformity in the group results in irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcomes. If that does not describe what's going on right now in this nation, you are God's people. You are his sheep, and the Bible says you hear his voice. This may not get, in terms of its effect, better immediately, meaning the fear, but you can unplug from it today. Tell. Tell somebody near, you're going to unplug today from the fear. When groupthink is working like it did in that day in the Bible, where they all wanted to come together and say, we can't do this. When groupthink is operating, you make decisions based on what might happen. Not what is happening. You make decisions based on what everyone else is doing. You make decisions based on the fear of the opinions of others. Amen. That's why now we have an unprecedented situation in this nation. What I can say to you, when all is said and done, when this is viewed and studied down the road, coronavirus 2020, they're going to come to the conclusion and the greatest think tanks in the country that we suffered from massive groupthink in this nation. And it's time for you to think the thoughts of God. Amen. Come on, say it with me. I'm going to think the thoughts of God. You can walk in faith and wisdom at the same time. You can do practical things without coming into fear and use your faith to fight that thing. We're spiritual people. Amen. I want you to know that God already covered this contingency. He's not at all caught off guard. Go to Psalm 91. And let's take your medicine today. Shout it out. I don't listen to fear. I don't think fear, I don't talk fear, and I don't act on fear. Psalm 91. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this to you and then just make some observations for you and let you apply it to your own life. First of all, Psalm 91 in the Bible. That's not a trick question. <laughs> trying to escape. It's Psalm 91 in the Bible. Yes. All right? And the Bible is called what? The Word of God. Do you still believe the Word of God is infallible, inerrant? Yes. Do you believe it's inspired by God and yes. relevant for today? Yes. It seems the more time goes on, the more relevant the Word of God looks, doesn't it? Not less relevant, more relevant. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with His feathers and under His wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him. With long life I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now the only question is, do you believe it? Let me ask you again, do you believe what he has said? In the word of God. Just like groupthink is a dangerous thing in the natural, it's also dangerous to think that just because you're a Christian, everybody's going to receive the same way, everybody's going to believe the same way. That's not the case. You don't do this as a group. You do what Scripture says. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, meaning honor and reverence for God. But who does it? You do. It helps to know that it's in here. Isn't that right? Now listen carefully. How do you apply this? How do you overcome the threat of the hour? The threat of the hour is the coronavirus. What's it going to be tomorrow? What's it going to be next year? What's it going to be in 10 years from now? It's learning to apply these things as a child of God to live this way. We're told in Scripture four times, the just shall Live by faith. It's not something you try or put on. It's something you believe. These promises are so outrageous to the carnal mind that it's easy to read this and immediately start going, yeah, but this and yeah, but that. The only thing you need to do is what am I going to do with this? If your mind goes to what is she going to do or what are they going to do with it or what did that person do with it, that doesn't matter. What matters is what are you going to do with these amazing promises in Psalm 91. Number one, you walk in faith. The scripture says, I will say of the Lord. It matters what you say of him. It matters what you declare. Bryce referred to it you know, earlier. Are we going to agree with God in this situation or agree with CNN? Don't even let me get started on CNN. (laughs) 
You say of the Lord things that line up with the word of God. If he really is your fortress, how many can say that fortress is probably impenetrable? <laughs> Whatever that word is. <laughs> it's probably pretty strong. Sturdy. Hallelujah. If you believe that and you say that is and you can have what you say and you can, then you're pretty safe. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. It means you're, you're kept away, inaccessible to the enemy when he's actually your fortress. What does that result in according to the word of God? It results in victory over temptation. It results in saving from deadly disease. Yes, take every practical precaution you can, but the most important thing you can do is take the word as medicine and believe it. It tells us it gives shelter from danger, freedom from fear. Say it, freedom from fear. If you're in fear, you're not in God. If you're in God, you won't be in fear. Protection from violence and defeat of your enemies. The second thing you learn here is you walk with God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty. You're dwelling there in his presence. If you make the Lord your dwelling, the scripture says. This results in rest and his presence, no harm, no disaster, angelic guarding authority over the evil one in your life. Hallelujah. When you walk with God, there's a mass of believers in America that walk with God when there's an outbreak. Let me give you a tip here. You need to walk with God before there's an outbreak. 9-11, churches moderately filled. Week after 9-11, you can't find a seat in any church in the county. Week after the week, yes, that's how fast it is. It's possible to be a church member, have a church membership card. It's possible to have, you know, relatives and, and historical ties and cultural ties to a church or a fellowship. It's entirely possible to talk the language, know the Christianese, and absolutely not walk with God. This scripture is for those that walk with him. Like Enoch walked with God. Amen. Number three, walk in love. The scripture says, because he loves me, for he acknowledges my name. It results in rescue and protection. What does it mean to love him? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You will obey. You will keep my commands. Hey, man, we can be the, you know, the most minimalist or most extravagant worshiper in the world. You know, we can have every little duck in a row. But if at the end of the day we are not doing what he said, it is not proper for us to expect this will work in our lives. And once again, nobody knows how compliant you really are to the commands of God. Nobody knows exactly where any of us are as individuals. Amen. Say it. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk in love. Amen. 
And do you think the Lord knows if you really love him? Or is it religion or a fire insurance policy? He knows. See, these are really amazing promises. But to apply them and enact those, you have to comply with what he is teaching here. Number four, walk in prayer. The Bible says he will call upon me. And how many know God will answer? It results in answer to prayer. It results in us being delivered from trouble, deliverance, honor, long life, and a revelation of and experience of the salvation of God. I would recommend that you read this passage every single day. Not because it's a tragedy or something challenging you, just because it will keep you mindful of what he's talking about here. These are great and precious promises, and they belong to the child of God. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't go, have to go on a toilet paper hunt this afternoon? Aren't you glad your God is bigger than that? Aren't you glad you have more than one square? (laughs) Why? Why would somebody do that? Fear. Fear of lack. Fear of shortage. Amen. I will be surprised if we hear from the sheriff's department that people's houses were robbed and all they took was toilet paper. No, did they get the jewels? No. They take your electronics? No. Did they get into the safe? No. But every roll was taken in the house. But folks, that's how people are behaving. Now, the God who made the trees can somehow provide for you. If he needs to send a Charmin truck down your road, open up the back door and let it tumble out, he's well able to take care of a child of God. And some of you are thinking right now, where's the truck, Pastor? Where's that truck? My biggest concern today, this is going to go down as the toilet paper sermon. Whatever works for you. But the main thing for you today is to understand we don't respond to these things the way the world does. We don't walk by faith and not by sight just when everything seems to be going great. Our greatest demonstration is when we have to operate in faith and stay on the word of God. And the power of God comes and turns those things around for you. So what I want to do today as you're standing is I want to pray this over you. Are you receivers today? What am I saying? I'm saying the world is telling you expect to get this and I'm telling you expect not to get it.